feeling stuck and alone is the worst feeling. Dental, dental nachos really exist. I always say ABC to FLA. Always be connecting to feel less alone. And I, I really, I think I feeling alone. That's awesome. Feeling alone is one of the worst feelings. And if you can make people feel less alone, feeling stuck is one of the worst feelings. And I think you're 100% right. There are many <clears throat> dentists that said, hey, I didn't know I was signing up for this. Where do I get help? What do I do? Whether it's to stay in the profession, whether it's to do something different, but I, I, and there's so much shame, unfortunately, for the ones who have to say that, or eventually say it, or you break them down, you say it, and then it's kind of liberating, like the truth sets you free, but it's like this weird shame in saying like, Hey, I don't really love it as much as I thought I was gonna love it. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, Craig and I have a pretty cool guest that I've been excited about. I got to know Paul Goodman a little bit before Craig, uh, but now we've just been chatting before. before uh, you know what? I'm going to, you know, my sen- I get a little sensitive about that. Paul and I <laughs> talked uh, back in 2016 quite a bit. So, Oh, on, on the socials? Yeah, but that, on, the, on the Facebook? My DMs, bro. That's- oh, you slid into his DMs too? Oh no, no, Peter, you slid into mine. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very right now, guys. I, this is a story for another day, Paul. But he, he is correct. I did slide this. <laughs> but if you don't know, Paul, obviously, you, Paul, I think you have probably the biggest dental Facebook group that's on the planet. Yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, I mean, there's there's some like actually who I told you about coming in in April. Uh, my friend Dr. Lincoln Harris has a lot. Oh, that's great. I, I I will share though. From I kind of have a group that. Like a real plate of nachos, a lot of different toppings, dentist teams, uh, business people. So we're not just a just a dentist group or just a hygienist group. It is kind of like the theme of the group. I asked him, Craig, nachos. I was like, so what's up with the dental nachos? You know, like I had no context to the name and then he kind of described it. I was like, I like that. Oh, I no, like I'm on that, that all the time. I love it. I'm, I'm yeah, a I, I guess I just never, I never put two and two together about like, you know, a, a, a nachos and an amalgamation of, you know, guacamole and just all the cool shit that goes on it, you know? And so I, I just say nachos are meant to be shared. They're meant, meant to be shared. To they, they, they get messy. They get messy. There's a great uh, comedian who said, you know, you'd fight your grandmother for the last chip. That's not my joke. I don't know uh you guys have ever seen Nate Bargetzi, but he's one of my I just watched this new special. He's a great comedian for your listeners. And he he um I'm always like fun, funny stuff. So kind of stuff that's light. I think in the original part of Facebook, if you guys remember, so I was like, you know, I was part of Facebook groups. So I was like, I want my own. Maybe we can talk about implants, practice management. My wife helped me. I was like, what should I call it? She's like, Well, you're a broker, a speaker, your dentist is like, we'll call it dental nachos. I love nachos. That's true. I worked at a Mexican restaurant called Casa Lapita, where I learned a lot of my communication skills. Um, but when I would say, you know, hey guys, this is Dental Nachos, there's 800 people, people would text me pictures of nachos they were eating. Oh, no way. Hey, Paul, I don't think this this is worthy of the group, but I want to let you know I'm eating nachos. And it's created this fun awesome. atmosphere. And in the beginning, Facebook's different now, but people would just post nachos they're eating, which is kind of like the golden retriever puppy of appetizers. So it would just create people stopping their scroll and saying, what's this? So I'm really uh, glad to add some fun to the dental universe. What's been, before we jump into some cool topics on dentistry, like what's your quick journey like through this space? I know you said you're you're, uh, 45 years in age, and so I'm guessing you graduated probably in 02, 03? Yeah, I graduated 02 from dental school, right? uh, 95 from high school. So straight out of central New Jersey, most... Uh, kids there. I, we talked a little bit about Gary B. He grew up in New Jersey. Most kids there in those days, doctor, dentist, or lawyer. I want to be like uh, the Clune dog, George Clooney from ER, uh, Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men. I love that movie where my dad, the dentist, my dad, the greatest dad. 
We worked together for 11 years, never pressured me to be a dentist, sadly passed away a few years ago, but just awesome mentor. But he did say to me growing up, uh, I really enjoyed being my own boss. So the traditional, like being able to coach my sports teams, being able to have the Wednesdays off. I do want to share my dad, who was a great dad, did lie to me though, because I say this in my lectures. He would tell people he worked four days a week, right? But I'd see him bring his briefcase home and work on the payroll, right? On Wednesdays, sometimes he'd go meet an attorney to work on something for the practice. Yep. I say, you know what, Dad? You know what other people call that? Mm -hmm. They call that work, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 I just talked about that this weekend, Paul. We had a mastermind in uh, Salt Lake City in one of our retreats, and, th and that exact topic came up. Yeah, when you don't see a patient, you're not working. So yeah. everybody that has the 99.8% of people that are not dentists, they actually don't work. Yeah, right. Because they don't, <laughs> yeah. they don't work. Yeah. So you I, only I, work when you see patients. I yeah, you're like... Dental your wife would say, what, are you not working today? Like, <laughs> just because I didn't see a patient? Like, this is ridiculous. And and my dad actually said, you know, early on in my, so I, you know, I went to uh, Villanova. I was part of the seven-year dental program. I went to Penn Dental School. I totally wanted to quit dental school after the first two years. Um, I, the, the studying part came fairly easy for me. I didn't love all the waxing of the teeth and the, the bite rims. I, I said to my dad, I don't know if I want to do this. And he was a great guy. I said, this isn't for you. You know, you can choose a different career. I had all these professors at Villanova who said, you know, you should be a professor. You should do this. But he said, remember, you want to be your own boss. And he goes, none of that stuff is what you do in the real world of dentistry anyway. One day seeing the patient will be the easy part. And he was totally right. Then, you know, we have a big onstage, offstage thing like the Disney way. I'm sure everyone does. And sometimes it's kind of like you could be having all these fires behind the scene in your practice. But your team knows when you go into the patient time, it's the show time. It's the onstage. So sometimes it's kind of relaxing because I'll go to my operatory, start seeing a patient, and I get to kind of just do, I don't want to call it the easy part, but you go to flow. Yes, very, very, very right about that. So then um, I did not really love a lot of the arts. I call, dentist, I call dentistry uh, full contact arts and crafts. Some people don't want to be there, right? That's pretty much what it is. So I didn't love all the crown preps and the composites. Uh, but when I got to my residency program, I did a GPR. My dad's like, go learn. You don't have to come here immediately. A huge fan of GPRs and AGDs. No judgment. People didn't do one. But I was just, my dad said, you got your whole life to work with me. My dad did the Air Force for two years. But he said doing the Air Force back then, there was no like instructors. You just had your room and like maybe my dad just the higher Air Force yeah. guy. But he said- you And you have, you're you know, a captain too. You're, you have high yeah. rank. And these patients yeah. can't even complain. You're like, yeah. literally, they tortured these people. My dad told me, it's not allowed you to yeah. It's like they walk in like you're a captain, like, sir, yes, sir, sit down. Sir, yes, sir. So it's like, and, and Yes, that's what he said, but you had, you had to, you didn't have a lot of support when things went right. So I like playing golf and basketball. And sometimes we'll say, oh, don't do a residency. Just go work for a DSO immediately. You'll get experience. But I've seen people play golf for 20 years and they're just as bad when, as when they started. Yeah. So yeah, doing it something the wrong way 20 years doesn't mean it's a correct amount of experience, right? Yeah, so right. I uh, I love the hospital system. I love being part of a team. I love dental implants. First implant I ever placed, I'm like, this is what I like. You just make the hole, you put the implant in, nobody complains about the color, there's no contact. So I said, this is for me. So I had a really good program director. This is back in 2002. It's not like 2023 where everyone's placing implants as a general dentist. So I stayed there for three years, placed 150 implants, was the chief resident, the fellow, um, got so much great mentorship from periodontist oral surgeons. And then after that, I joined my dad in practice with his partner. I never would have been a dentist if my dad didn't have a partner. He was one of the rare dentists in our town that got along with another dentist. Uh, and since that time, my brother's become a dentist and we bought other practices. We bought another location, did some fold-ins. 
I always wanted to create our atmosphere, like uh, Best Buy. Best Buy is a popular uh, store from the New Jersey in the 90s. I don't know if they're still going to make it longer now, but you could buy a back at Best Buy. You could buy a CD, buy a computer, buy a TV. When I would go there, I go, this is such a great business model. They can help all these people in one location. So I added a periodontist and endodontist. We've had sleep apnea dentist. Currently, we have a guy. Uh, I think he's your height, Craig. He's great. Dr. John Walsh, he did the military. He did the Navy, and all he does is extract teeth. So he's not an oral surgeon, but he's a oral surgery-focused GP. He works with us on Thursday. Yeah, right, exactly. So uh, I thought it was more fun to have dentists working together. Uh, Patients will do any excuse not to do something. So I'm like, hey, Millie, we got someone right here who can do this. You can come back to this location. So that's a little bit of my story of... Yeah, uh, my model is very similar. By the way, what do you think? Is you're very obviously, I you know, I told Craig when we got off the phone the first time, I was like, dude, he's awesome, he's a great personality. <laughs> like, we, 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 what what took us so long to kind of meet? But like, what do you think has been like one of the biggest the reasons for your success? And I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about in in the space of actually being a dentist. And I know this is kind of a random question, sure. But like, is there I, anything? I love this question. Yeah, being a server for ten years and learning how to talk to people and communicate with them. It's my uh, dad would say. You can learn the technical skills, but communicating with patients is the hard part, managing problems. So when you're a restaurant server, so I've worked at a truck stop diner. I've worked at a um, the corporate Mexican place, which taught me so much about business. Uh, this phrase might come off a little funny, but in the in the corporate uh, handbook, it said, give them the pickle for free. So it said, you know, like, hey, if someone asks for an extra pickle, just give it to them for free, but guac's not free. I really learned that, right? Like, so you couldn't give someone extra guac for free because avocados were expensive. So you would have to tell the person, and obviously Chipotle has made this funny. There's a great comedian, Gary Golden. He's told too, too, Greg. He goes, I love that. You ever get the extra, you get to find your 20 bucks and you get the extra guac at Chipotle like you're a robber baron, right? So it's like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but back then, this is the late 90s, you know, if I wanted, if someone said, Can I have extra guac for free? I'd have to say, hey, Craig, uh, that's an extra charge because avocados are expensive. People like it, it's two bucks. If you said, Peter, I want a pickle, I'd say, no problem, we got a pickle. We can bring you a pickle for free. So learn teamwork, customer service, uh, challenging things. So that to me, I think is uh, the one of the reasons I've been successful. I love, I, I, I gotta tell you, I love that answer. And that wasn't <laughs> Craig's probably thinking because I, I kind of say things about what I'm about to say about public speaking and things like that, that that was like a softball setup. But I think that's just really, really important. Sometimes dentists will come and say, hey man, what, what CE should I take? What business course should I do? And I may have a little context into who they are. And I say, you know, the first thing you should probably do is like public speaking or basic sales course. And it's not to be a sales person. It's to learn how human psychology works and making people happy and being able to dialogue and and like body language and tells about when someone's uncomfortable. Like that's probably the most important CE for dentistry if you want to have a very sure. successful, profitable career versus, hey, I just learned this new cosmetic. I mean, I'm, I lose this learn this new um, bonding technique. Like that's probably not going to be the lever that makes you good to great. Well, oh, what, sure. happens, what happens to guys is that when we're challenged, we go back. If we're, if we're challenged by a patient, if we feel like we're not delivering the value, we get insecure and we go back to our technical training. So the way we speak to patients gets worse. Well, Mrs. Jones, you know, your periapical ligament, your PD, yeah, you know. You're, you're saying you default, you get nervous and then you, you default. Get, right. And also okay. in business, we yeah, yeah, yeah. ourselves as the hero. And um, it's not our job to be the hero. It's our job to be the guide. 
And so when, when we're businesses are not going well, we don't think to take a business development course, like a bulletproof course or a Costas or whatever you're, you know, the courses that you're, you're involved with as well. We just think, let, let me just run to the Coist Center. And, and let me tell you, I love Coist and Spear and all these different organizations, but it's a complement to your total business acumen, it, you know, the clinical skill and the relationships and the, and the communication, all necessary. It's a, mm-hmm. you have to have it all. And I think that yeah. in dental school, we're getting a poor understanding of you can be God's gift to dentistry, be a masterful craftsperson and still go out of business because you don't know how to relate to people. And that's not readily understood by most dentists that are coming out of dental school. I mean, your listeners should listen to that over and over again, dentists. I mean, I've created this concept called your dentisting core, called dentisting, because back in the 80s, we would just do bench press and they'd be like, are we done working out? Like, yep, we're done. So you had all these people with giant chest and chicken legs. Like, are we in shape? Like, you're not in shape at all. You're going to hurt yourself. You look like you're riding a chicken. (laughs) Yeah. So 2023, you know, there's the orange theories, the core developments. I always say your mind skills, which is like business, your word skills, which is communication, your hand skills and your heart skills. And dental school is like, we're just going to try to teach you to prep a crown faster, which they don't do well anyway, right? Dental school might as well add in some of these other things because I don't think their totally. clinical training is particularly, you got to learn these things at the same time, right? I, I get, I, one of my funniest things was like if dental school taught parenting classes, they would teach you everything, but except how to feed the baby. And you'd be right. like, what about feeding the baby? Like you can learn it on the streets. I'm like, what streets, right? So they leave these students totally unprepared for real world surviving and thriving. And yeah. it's emotionally a problem because you've memorized the Krebs cycle. That doesn't help. You know how the kidney works. Again, something you could Google. And when the patient says, why doesn't my insurance cover this? You're stuck with like gobbledygook. Yeah, like no one had a class on, you know, we joke about dentistry, Paul. I'm sure you hear the same joke all the time is we had one hour business class and stuff. We didn't have it. Like, would it have been great if you'd had a couple hours on an enrollment class? Yeah. Right. Like, let's let's mock, go to clinic and see if you can, you know, explain the benefit to the patient. That's the, the, the dentistry they need and enroll the case. Let's see if you can do that right. in class, right? Yeah, like, that would be amazing. It's and and it, it it's really irresponsible to use a nice word of dental really schools, to charge people five hundred thousand dollars and not give them the skills to pay that back, and it's totally gaslighting for Dell's to be like, we're not going to talk about money. I go, you have no problem talking about it when you're collecting the tuition, right? So I I find it to be crazy, and um, I just find it, this this uh, friend who would tell this joke was great. He goes, my wife's better at life than me because. Growing up, I played cops and robbers, and she played house. And when we got older, the name of the game was house, right? And it's like, that's such a good joke, right? It's not mine. Because it's like, dental school, the name of the game is talking to people and getting them to trust you, not a perfect crown prep taper. And dental school messes you up on what they, the name of the game is, and it's causing depression, causes uh, people dying by suicide. I'm not pretending, I'm not blaming dental school for these things, but it does start to create a mismanage expectations of what the real world of dentistry right well imagine like you you send a tennis player in that's never played tennis you're just going to avoid getting hit by balls like like it's it is irresponsible to use the nice word and i'm happy that we're having this conversation so that people at least know that okay there's this massive hole in what i need to know in order for me to be successful so like in the 80s when we were all doing bench press we didn't know any better so right. if there was a podcast out there that said, hey, by the way, that'll create some imbalance in your body. Like at least if you're hearing this and you're in dental 100%. school or you're newly minted, just know that there's another level that you must learn. And when I got out of dental school, a similar story to you, dad was a dentist and all that. I came into the practice and I wanted to market and all the dentists got super upset at me that I was marketing. And I mean, by marketing the 
you know, late nineties or like I had an ad in the magazine. Yeah. They're so mad at me and this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? And I brought specialists on and then they got even more mad because I just wanted it to be convenient for a patient. Did you have to go in front of the board? No, I didn't. But, but, but the whole idea about doing that type of stuff is so, so I think what you're pointing to Paul, and I'm really happy you're saying it. And I say it quite often is that the system that's in place is not helping to think the categories that we're winning in, the unfortunate categories that were number one, suicide, depression, divorce, drug abuse, yeah. all that stuff. It's a major, major issue. And compounding that, you've got every dentist on Instagram, like Full Arch Friday, every Friday, $50,000 yeah. case. That's how my life, you know, I'm a rock star. So it's <laughs> like, where do, you, where do we turn to? I used to give a good example of this. Um, like when we were younger in dental school, we would go out and you like try to meet someone. And like, how many times do you leave with even someone's number? you how many times are you eating wawa and pizza at 2 a.m many right so like if i only showed the time one person gave me their number to go out on a date right right you're sitting out of your belly show me me getting this like italian hoagie and chips alone and it, it's just a fun way of sharing that most of the time you're not this isn't going to happen it's great to have these examples but it also creates unrealistic expectations so people should sort of share more of their things that go off script i mean we're so dramatic. Share your successes and failures. How about I just share a lot of things that were annoying to me today, right? That's mm-hmm. what I'm here. Share your annoyances, right? They're not failures. You know, mismatched patient expectations. Mm-hmm. Someone who comes in for a big case and doesn't pay for it. These are the types of things that I wish dental school brought to life a little more. Like you say, Craig, so you know that there's an imbalance in your body, but sadly, they kind of have this fortress of solitude, like He-Man, a big He-Man fan back in the day, um, around the dental school, and then they get out of it. And I think it's... Uh, a real, uh, I guess I say, uh, not even adjustment. It's shocking to see what happens yeah. in the real world. Yeah, you fall from what your expectation of reality is. But I listen uh, to to kind of wrap it up in a positive bow. There, there's this now, and yeah, and the three of us are old enough to exist before podcasts and free education and YouTube. This is if someone, if I would have just heard this in 1988 right. when I left Tufts, yeah, it would be like, oh shit, there's there's a whole other thing. Okay, good. Let me at least learn that. So what did I have to do? I went to business books. I read From Good to Great. I read Tony Shea's Alluring Happiness. I didn't know there was nobody in dentistry saying we needed this, but I said I could probably incorporate these business concepts from other industries. And the more I get out, the longer I've been out of school and the longer I've been in business, I realize it's all the freaking same. Dentistry, flooring business, uh, you know, whatever your business is, the core concepts are the same. And I think it's really elitist of us dentists to say, number one, we're not in business. Number one, we don't have customers. Like, what do we, you know, like they don't even want to, many dentists don't even want to identify as being business owners. It's like, no, I own a practice. I'm like, yeah, but you have people that have hitched their wagon to you, hygienists, administrative right. people. You owe it to them to run a business because if you're not like the baby analogy, if you're not going to feed the baby, the baby is going to die. Yeah. Well, you're saying, Greg, too. Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. No, no. I said, Peter, you're the youngest of us all here. And I was to say that. What you're saying is right. Like if I couldn't tap out a one minute text on my Nokia phone to my friends, I was out of luck, right? You're right. probably young enough, Peter, or maybe you had some of this, but like now there is this world out there for people. I had a text on T9, T9, one, two, three. I mean, dental school misleads you as to what's going to happen after dental school in the nicest way. So you might as well spend time now trying to pay attention to people who are striving so hard to put so much free information out for you to just have context of what to expect when you're finished. So true. And Craig, I, I, you're saying, I love how you're saying, cause we say this a lot. I mean, we didn't talk about it this weekend. It's this, you know, I mean, you had, you had your buddy Randy come in and talk to our mastermind. He runs a flooring company 
all just take some context. And I was sitting there thinking that we get this romantic about the idea that dentistry is not the same. At the end of the day, I think all business is really three things, right? It's it's your process, it's your product, and it's the people that you have in, in your space, right? And, and that's the same in all kinds of businesses. And, and we just don't get exposure to that level of, A, simplicity, yeah. and two, kind of awareness of that. Um, even, I, like, I, have, I have another take on it as well, Peter. It's kind of adds that. It's like business is really just like innovation, adding value, and marketing. marketing. Like, so if you're innovating and adding value, you just need to make sure that people know about it, you're good. And I'm going to interject with a quick story. I think you guys will like this. So I, I'm, I'm, in sports, I was not like I always admired people who could hit from both sides of the plate. I was like, man, that's awesome if you could do that. So I couldn't do it in sports. But I'm like, I'm an extrovert who has no problem spending time by myself. Right? I'm one of those people. I'm very extroverted. So I finished these two Seattle study clubs two weeks ago in Ohio. It was great. I was sitting at the bar. I got one glass of Cabernet. I just want to sit there and go on my phone. Guy sits next to me and goes, "Do you do anything interesting?" And I was like, "Oh, geez, right." But meanwhile, I was so glad I wasn't a jerk because I said, I kind of, I do run this company called Dental Nachos. That's pretty interesting. He goes, oh, tell me about that. And I said, what do you do? He goes, I run this plumbing company. I have my clients here. And he, in 2014, him and his partner ran a plumbing company at $2 million a year. And last year did $85 million. And I said, what was your secret? He said, all marketing. It was all marketing to get there. And this, I'm a big fan of this um, Patrick Winston, How to Speak. It's a free YouTube lecture on speaking. He passed away a few years ago, but please put in the show notes how to speak. Patrick, Patrick Winston? Patrick Winston, how to speak. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's on YouTube. It's 13 million views. He talks about building a fence around your idea. So him and his partner said this, they only took a job if they could say yes to three questions in plumbing. So they went from two to 85 million by marketing and doing this. Was it a homeowner? Yes or no. Were they going to pay ahead of time? Yes or no. And was the project going to take less than three days? So that was their niche, right? And I'm an entrepreneur's on fire fan too. He tells uh, riches are in niches, but I was just, I'm so glad I talked to this guy because what you said with flooring, plumbing, dentistry, they all have common themes for success. May as well pay attention to it. You got to do this yeah. job anyway. You may as well try to maximize your happiness and minimize the number of times you cry inside. Like I said, it's the num- that's the number one KPI for a dentist, the number of times you cry inside. Uh, to Paul, I want to I want to add one thing to what you're saying too, because I think I, I obviously don't know anything about the plumbing story that you're talking about, but the guy I am certain to go from two to eighty five million, he did a quality service, he added value. Yeah. So when he said, "Oh, it's just marketing," because he thought that oh, everybody's a quality guy. You're like, you ever interviewed an associate that had his own practice and it was successful, and then they come into your office and you see the dentistry, and you're like, wow, this is really bad. It's not good dentistry. Like, you know, this is not like fitting the value proposition I want to make to my patients and my community, but they were very, very successful in, in yeah. some way. And I just think that we tend to think that all of us are equal on equal footing as much as we, how much we care about the patient, how much, how good we want to be, how, how, how careful we are with our, our uh, crown ups and margins and stuff like that. And I think that the, a guy that's gone from two to 85 million didn't just rely on marketing. He just thinks that everybody does good plumbing. But I showed up on time and they did yeah. the right thing. And there was a, a set of values behind that business as well. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, you can get pretty far in dentistry just on marketing. I know a lot of guys that are wonderful clinicians that are like literally God's gift to dentistry and they've gone out of business because they are not good speaking. They can't communicate or market. Yeah. So, Peter, it is shocking to me how many people, one, have not actually heard about ERC and two, have gotten the wrong information. and 
you and Trey being two of them. I mean, I consider you to be an epic business person. And when I talked about the employee retention credit to you, you were really dismissive of me. Like, no, I, I went through that. I got it. I, you know, it was great. I got it. It was done. And even Trey just now, we were just talking to him on the last pod. He's like, yeah, I already, I, you know, my accounting firm, they, they got it very little. They only got like five or 10 grand. So we know this is totally misunderstood. I was told I didn't qualify until I went to a specialist and they're like, you absolutely qualify. And here's the number. And it, it almost startled me. Like I, my jaw was off on the ground. I'm like, yeah, you don't serious? actually, you don't believe it. You didn't don't believe, believe it. it. But going yeah. to, don't ask your CPA, ask someone who specializes with, which is why we actually have this awesome arrangement. And we created a link and the company is bullet, go to bulletproof ERC to help kind of implement this because from this pot of money that Congress has has allocated, we want the people listening from Bulletproof to take advantage of it. So this is why right. this kind of this this announcement is going on because it's don't like I said, don't ask your CPA, ask the people right. who this is the well, only that's what, thing they do all day every that's day. That's why we had to do this because initially I was telling everybody, telling you, telling everybody, like, oh, I, I went, we don't qualify. So like, oh, this is not going the way it's supposed to. Like, you uh -huh. have to go to the people that do it. So I'm really proud of that. Um, my buddy Norm works at the company. Norm, as you know, is like the nicest guy in the world. He's literally like Ned Flanders. He's like, he how really do you do? He'll fill out your form. He'll walk you through the process. He'll do the Zoom call with you. It's literally white glove services. You don't have to do anything. And this is what they do. And it's an unbelievable program. You have two ways to pay for it. Um, you can either pay up front or they can just take a percentage when they give you the money. And it is awesome. You did one, I did the other. We won't tell which one, who, who did what, but it's a government program. It's going to run out. Do not delay. It's amazing how many people are like, I'll handle a couple months. I don't have yeah. time. You don't need any time. Like this first is like come, crazy. First come, first serve, right? <laughs> first come, first serve. And I mean, I know the government's treated you well through the CARES Act and you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I don't need this. It is your money this to have. This is part of the CARES Act. Right, it is part of the CARES Act, but a lot, I mean, even when I thought about it, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to take, you know, more money, but this is a program that's allocated for people like you who have kept your employees, kept your businesses open. Do not take it for granted. If your accountant told you, or your friend who's a lawyer told you, do not leave that stone unturned. Go to bulletprooferc.com. Spend five minutes. It's worth the due diligence. Do not assume anything. And even if you filled it out, you got something, but it wasn't, you know, what you think is commensurate for your size business, go ahead and reopen the process. You can amend these things for different years. Yeah. So do yourself a favor, take the five or 10 minutes, have a Zoom call. You may be leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table, which is not prudent for you, your business, and the, the families that your business supports. Do it for them. I want to go to the uh, the fact that the the hat you're wearing's got a big game coming up. Yeah, here. I know. Craig, there's this thing called the Super Bowl, yeah. and it's where <laughs> where two teams play. Right, it's on ice. Paul, right. one of Paul's teams is in it coming up in February. Oh, um, uh, this guy's called. I want to share. I, I want to share something about this, Peter. I did a Facebook Live in this area day, and maybe I'm either becoming soft or centered. So I kind of had some obsessive relationships with sports teams that I like. Yeah, you know, I would my mood would be like how theirs are like. I don't think these players care how my crown preps go, but for some reason, my whole mood is it. But I actually, there's been such camaraderie here in Philadelphia. They say "Go Birds" is like kind of saying like hello to people now. Yeah, that even if the even if the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl, the whole city should be so grateful 
as to them bringing us together in still a pretty sucky time on earth, right? I'm not saying like- Wait a second. Isn't Philadelphia the sitter of brotherly love? Why why are you guys having to remind yourself of this? We sometimes do things that need reminding, like throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. That's a real uh, story from Philadelphia sports. But, you know, just when you walk around the city, you know- He got mugged. Like I found out my associate uh, Bart got mugged and stabbed. Yeah, there there are some areas of Philadelphia where you have to really- um, Treatment plan, your your success while you're there. Treatment plan, your safety. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, what the Eagles have done to show to create some camaraderie at a time where we're still just kind of out of the pandemic and we're still out of a time where there's a lot of friction and polarization. It doesn't solve everything, but it's nice. And, you know, of course, I want them to win the Super Bowl, but I think we, we should remember that they are created some, and maybe Kansas City is doing the same thing for Kansas City. I spent my summers uh, watching training camps up in Philadelphia. Oh, awesome! So that you know, Randall Cunningham was my guy. Oh, that's uh, that yeah. Le- Le- Lehigh uh, Lehigh Valley, I think, is where they had the yeah. training camps back. Yeah, in there. yeah, yeah. Yep. That's back. I used to watch. So my grandmother's from there. Anyway, so where I was going with a sports analogy with before we hit record, you were talking about kind of the four quarters, right? I want you to kind of expand on that. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I just give the. I think what dental dental school and their job. Their job is to create awareness on some of these things. I'm not going to hold them accountable for everything, but awareness of what's your journey look like from beginning, middle to end. Penn Dental School, I don't know if they invented this, but they always said, you know, begin with the end in mind for your patient, where you want to get to and get them there. So, you know, I talk about uh, finding your first job, buying your first practice, hiring your first associate and selling your only practice. And you guys are incredibly entrepreneurial. I'm medium, you know, I have four practices smushed into two. But, you know, I gave this as the keynote and I, I love dental students, but I'm like kind of an equal opportunity annoyer. My wife will say regular annoyer. People go. So the D2 will be like, Paul, I want to buy five practices. I go, love the enthusiasm. How about one job? I come up one job before five practices. So I think that if they focused on success in first job, first practice, first hiring associate, only sale and walking yourself through those without burning your nachos. I burnt my nachos. I, we worked with a dual rep broker once. I overpaid by a lot. Of course, it's I'm responsible, but there were no podcasts like you guys said back then. I thought it was normal. The broker probably mm-hmm. misled me. I don't want to say lied, but you know, when a broker says 15 people are looking at this practice, you know, you can ask some good. Now I would ask some better questions to know. Of course, I wouldn't know who the other ones are. So I, w- I would just like to be part of the solution and helping people. You know, it's funny. We get that not not to interject, but I but, but it's funny how you hear that from people that you lecture, Craig, and we we hear that a lot. And kind of you know, obviously, you know, we run masterminds, and so what someone starts with is, "This is what I want," and Craig breaks down, "Is this really what you want?" Right. You know, because and I always assume like, look, people think like, "Hey, well, multiple locations. Why? Because I want to make multiple amounts of money that I make right now." And I said, "Look, multiple locations is really kind of like." chewing glass you just start getting comfortable to kind of the taste of your own blood like it's a it's yeah. going to be a hard run right and it's not just like oh i make three hundred thousand dollars now at location one let me let me open number two to make 600 and then 900 right and so sometimes you right. hear this you don't amazing. understand the reality of this i i do still do a fair amount with implants and i'm not as many days in the office just doing one right now but i do a lot of consults so i always tell dentists they always have to ask this question you cannot miss this question on the first consult ever how important it is for you, for your teeth to stay in your mouth all the time, Millie? You've got to ask it because people have to say in that moment, they go, oh, no big deal. I got a partial or they go, Mike, they look like they're horrified. So you've got to know that answer, right? You've got to know it. Back to this thing with what you guys are talking about. Hopefully this will add some value to your listeners. 
do you want to deal more with patients or dentists? Because multiple practice locations, your dentist is who you're dealing with, right? One location, maybe two, is patients. And many dentists are way more equipped to deal with patients than their fellow colleagues. So yeah. I think that it's is- part of level of leadership. You're talking and, about chewing glass is a good way to put it. <laughs> listen, it's also, it's just important to really know what you want and why you want it. And there's a process that we go through through the mastermind. It happened this weekend. We just got back from Park City. And it's just typically, hey, I want this. And you sure you want it? And we start strategizing on how to get there. And then invariably it gets down to some core issue of what do you really want? I just really want a lake house. I'm like, okay, how much is a lake house? 800 grand. I'm like, okay, so you really just want to make 400 grand a year, right? Yeah. What's the easiest way to do that? Right. Not five practices. You know, yep. get one under your belt and get it right. And, and unfortunately, you talk about, you know, the dental school ill-preparing us. So we, we get out of dental school, we're confused. And where there's confusion in a marketplace, people can come in and make a lot of money. Yeah. So there's a lot of consultants, mm -hmm. and we use finger quotes for those that are not watching video, consultants that will say, here's the way to one to two to three to four to five, and then life is going to be groovy. And that's total and complete bullshit. I have yeah. masterminders that come through the Bulletproof practice. I'm like, I want what you have. Well, why? Because I want to make money when you're not there. They go into my office, 13,000 square feet, 55 people, and I am in heaven. Like, put me around people. I love it. Like, if I have to be alone for the day, that's not a good day for me. I'm, that, that probably says more about me personally than anything else. But I just love being surrounded by people. And if you're an introvert and you hate people and you think that you can just go ahead and open up a large practice or have five or seven uh, practices because you're not going to have to avoid people. You're in for really rude awakening. And the worst possible thing that you could ever get in life is to get everything you ever thought you wanted and still wind up unfulfilled. That's when people take drastic measures. That's when depression, suicide, and drugs come in. It's oh, for sure. I mean, do you know who Jesse, you, you kind of look like him a little bit, Craig. Do you know who Jesse Eisler is? Um, it's Eisler. Yeah, it's yeah, he's yeah. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love. Well, oh, that's great. I would love to. I, I, yeah. I'm really inspired by TikTok. We went to college together, by the way. And uh, you know, Gary V talks about this. I mean, people who did three million dollars in their company were happy. Grew to six million, they're miserable. Um, I think it's because you know this is kind of one of my quotes that procedures are more predictable than people. So you know, yeah. your procedures become predictable. You know how to troubleshoot them. Like tomorrow, there, he put my schedule. Somebody's implant crown might have broken off of this. Yes, that's unpredictable, but I've been there before. And the things that, like the three things we can do, right? Get new screw, maybe have to remove implant, right? All of them I can kind of deal with. They'll have different levels of, you know, and always I won't remove the implant myself, my periodontist would. But like with people, they say, hey, guess what? Something good happened to me. This is my associate. My wife got into a neurology residency in San Francisco. I go, oh, great for her. Now he's leaving the practice for a good reason. So, I just think dentists are not mentally equipped to deal with the how unpredictable people are. And I think you're entrepreneur right. You know, people can say to me, I do this job clinic. They go, what if my associate leaves? I go, what if they leave? They're going to leave because they're going to want to buy a practice like you. Great systems for another one to join you. So true. So true. No, so many, hey, Jesse does some, says some profound things like, man, he's gotten me thinking on a lot. Oh, that's great. That's cool. Yours, right? I, I, yeah, he, well, even just like I'm saying the things he said, I'm not trying to flex in, in private. I'm saying the things that everyone sees on, on social. Like I remember him saying something, this is not related to dentistry, but I, it was the, one of the most transformative things I've ever had said in my own life is he said, look, and I believe who he was talking to. He was on, um, Lewis Howell's podcast. I think, you yeah, know, like Hey, how many, uh. How's your relationship with your parents? And he's like, good. They're in their seventies. I see them all the time. How close are you? And he's like, really close. And he's like, cool. Like, so how long do you have with me? He's like, dude, I have like, hopefully like 15 more years. He goes, okay. How many times a year do you see him? Yeah. I said, he said, Lewis said two. 
He said, nope, you have, you don't have 15 years. You have right. 30 more visits with them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it just, I mean, right. And I know I've yet, I've said that before in the pod, Chris. I've seen that. I love that one. I mean, you have I, seen that? Yeah. If you ever talked about, I would go, I say, I even remember my lecture show one of his TikTok clips and I'm, have you ever heard of this guy? And they go, no, I go, have you ever heard of Spanx? He's related to that. So people always get like, you know, uh, that gets their attention, you know, gets their attention <laughs> to do it. So, yeah, I mean, it, so I just think also what you guys said is, you know, that's the, I did a, um, email once is being successful to stressful is written by a 39 year old dentist, female dentist who had had it all, you know, million dollar practice kid, but she's like, Paul, keeping this up is so stressful. And it really was resonating with people because people just assume the next level people are happy. But like what you guys said, if you're not careful about what you wish for, you might get it and still be unhappy. So I think it's such mm -hmm. an important message. And that's like, Craig says that too all the time, like getting, you know, life's, life's torture chamber is essentially like getting all the things you want that you thought you wanted in life, right? Craig, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly right. It's, and, and then the not, problem. and still not being happy, right? The, the What we're being fed, I mean, this, this um, personal development stuff is available everywhere we look, we can find it. But there is a narrative that's being fed to the confused new graduate, yeah. confused the guy that the associate. The, we're we're just confused as a whole, and where that confusion lies is an economic opportunity for people to come in and hijack your vision and tell you this is exactly what you should do. These three easy steps, and that's just total bullshit. Because dentistry, the beautiful thing that we all love about it, is it can be exactly what you want it to be. You could work two days a week and give back on th you know one day a week, or you could have 15 offices, and it's not one size fits all. And I do see a conflation of the practices, like this. The 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 narrative is becoming conflated. It's like this is what you should do, and anytime human beings are told what they should do, they tend to um, do it and not be happy about it. And I well, think that I, I want to share this morning. It's my Instagram post. I, they're smart marketers. I got an email from bigpractices.com. I don't think it's the name. They're saying that they sold a $4 million practice for $9 million and a $1 million for $3 million trying right. to get you in. I said, how many dentists know that there's strings attached to that, right? And yeah. I don't know enough to do. I happen to know I'm on the inside of this stuff. I would have never known if I didn't become a broker. So that's an easy sort of dangling there. I also say to dentists, maybe, like, you don't have to spend so well, wait, much. Wait, unpack that. Because I keep I yeah. keep going with that. Because like unpack that like that, that bait and switch in, in dentistry. Well, the bait and switch is, you know, can you eventually end up with $3 million for a $1.2 million practice? Yes-ish. But there's a lot of parts of that journey. You know, how much is this DSO or corporate going to pay you when you sell? How long do you have to stay on? How many recaps have to go well, you know, when a bigger fish buys it? And I think I get it. Like when an annoyed practice owner is 41 at Monday morning sees that they can get double for their practice, sometimes they totally- From the postcard, they, they get- look. Yeah. I literally had that conversation at, with, at someone at a cocktail party and they're like, well, my practice is worth, uh, what'd she say? She was like, it's worth $12 million. I said, wow. She said, well, it does it does four and a half million. And I got a postcard that says it's- Top you know, line. And I was like, four and a half million. Holy shit. Yeah, I top line. Yeah, three X the top line. You think you're correct? I yeah. mean, it's like, well, it's like basically selling for what Salesforce sells for. Yeah, right. It's, it's a Mark Benioff doesn't get that deal. They'll spend more time researching a golf trip with their friends than they will right. practice other things. You know, like hire your team of advisors, like a Mark Costa says. Ask people if you're not Joe nuts. I brought Montgomery, my dental focus. One time, like six years ago, I go, I want to buy this little practice in this up and coming area in Philadelphia. I want to fix it up. I was so excited. And my, my, by my attorney and my friends, like, that's a dumb idea. But I mean, he said it nicer than that. He goes, Paul, you know how much work you have to put in this practice? You know what to do? You just to distract this. I'm like, you're a hundred percent right. And I didn't do it, but I trusted him 
to tell me when I was nacho nuts. And I, you know, you talk about consulting, Craig, I agree with you. People DM me, they say, consultant ripped me off. I go, okay, tell me more. They go, well, I spent a hundred thousand dollars on this one guy. I go, who told you to do that? Right? Yeah, that like, sounds horrible. And that, by the way, that guy, that that guy, Paul, had never run a dental practice <laughs> before. He didn't have any. Like, why do we as dentists take advice from people who have never done what we wish to do? Like, there's so, this guy, example, Paul. Like, you're gonna love you this. There's this guy on Instagram, and, and this is a funny story that Craig and I do. Maybe we have too much idle time, but he's kind of selling the like. Let me show you the ways. To grow your practice without being there, without touching it, the magic wand. And he's not a dentist, right? And Craig and I just incessantly sit there all in the comments and write, like, yeah. him. I like his, it's, it's an advertisement, right? It's, it's, I love the world. Needs, the world needs more purple people. I bought for my four year old this week. It's a great book by Kristen Bell. And we read it, and it's all about asking good questions. Purple people right. ask good questions. So even though we might be poking at this guy, those are good questions. People see it in the comments. And they say, hey, at least someone's questioning this. And I like people to question. Some people go, what's the deal with your Facebook group? Okay, it's basically like a free park. I got sponsors that pay for it, and people get to enjoy the park for free. That's that's how I explain it, right? You know, like, and so it's for free parking. So I'm saying, so, your Facebook group. I want to talk about this for just a well, second. Wait, can we pause for one second? Because I, I, I wanted to just co complete one thing that you guys were talking about, too. You guys said, like, hey, the there's the pie in the sky, sell your practice, and life is going to be groovy. So you're doing 1 million, you get 3 million, and the 41-year-old dentist is like, damn, I could get $3 million. I want to just add something for the listeners. When you exit your business, you take the money and you have to enter someone else's business. Hey, you can't take the $3 million. The investment. Yeah. Well, the, I'm just saying that you can't, this money, now you have capital that deserves to be you know, put to use. Oh, it has to get yield. Yeah. You have yeah. to get yield. You can't just stick it under your mattress. It's irresponsible. So what do you do? You take all that money and you put it in someone else's business, the stock market, someone else's company. And now you're still in business. You had a business that you could make it better and you would have loved it. You know, people sell their business because they don't yeah. like it and they don't want to make it better. People don't sell businesses that actually work as businesses. They're just frustrated. So there's a way to have your cake and eat it too. If you go through training like ours or yours or whoever's the training that you want to go to, we can actually, we collectively can take a business that's driving you batshit crazy and make it work for you. It's not going to be overnight and it's not going to be done in, you know, with these three magical steps, but we can get you to a point where you actually like your business and it doesn't own you, you own it, and then you'll never want to sell it. And, and, and I also think, though, Craig, I mean, I like a Jim Collins stuff too, built to sell. It also is great if you want to sell it one day too. Because, sure, sure. Because then just role model what it looks like to have an awesome business and have it for, you know, as long as you want. And there's no loss to that. But to right, your but point, if you want Paul. to sell it though, Paul, you have, it's kind of, it's incumbent upon you to fix it to some degree. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, your, you know, that has no sell book, yeah. right? If you read that book. Yeah. But, but to your point, it's incumbent upon me. If you do want to sell it, and you're right, no shame. But if you yeah. do want to spend more time, not on your golf trip that you're taking, but understanding what the other side of the table is thinking, doing, processing strategy, right? Because the $3 million offer, it's not a $3 million offer. As a matter of fact, it's probably a hundred, a million dollar offer with a yeah. million dollars in preferred shares and a million dollars in holdback money yeah. and all this stuff. And you're probably going to see the million dollars that someone else would have given you, but it made, it got sexy because it was on a postcard and all you They're think make about the $3 million. But right? the PE company, the new buyer is going to make the hard decisions that you refuse to make to make your company profitable. The lady that doesn't show up on time that you've just had as a relic at your admin team, they're going to fire her. 
and the, mm-hmm. and the, 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 the poor spending that you've had and things like that. I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, and listen, and the I'm other not... side of this, I'll just add is you can get my face for me. So I'm Rob Montgomery and I are close friends. He's a great Dell focused attorney. And early on in this, he gave me some good advice. You know, DSOs asked me to be clinical directors one time, not, it just wasn't the right fit for me. He goes, a lot of dentists think the DSO is going to come in and tell them to do more and do all this stuff, but many of them don't do enough. And a lot of these practice owners think that someone's going to ride in on this white horse and save mm-hmm. them stress. But guess what? If you're there with your team, whether you're the owner, 50% owner, or you sold their DSO, you got to answer the questions. If I just drop my kids off with you and be like, hey, you got to answer their questions. So I think sometimes there's the other side of it. They go, DSO is going to come in. Nobody's going to tell me to do a crown when it needs a filling. Oh, easy. Okay, fine. They're not there many yeah, times. You got oh, a boss now, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a, people should learn more about it. It's why we're doing our next thing. I, I love that. Become more aware of that. What I was going to bring up in the Facebook groups, Greg, unless you had something else to add. Just one last thing. And I just want to kind of point to the idea that when we when we really look under the hood, and I think the three of us have spent a good deal of time looking under the hood and the PNL of many dental friends and practices that we advise, we see at the end of the day that many of our doctors would be better off working for somebody. So mm-hmm. if you yeah. expect to pay yourself on your, you know, for your production, maybe 25 to 35%. If you actually take that out of your profit and loss and pay yourself as a dentist, 30%, and you see that your company is losing thousands of dollars per month, do you lo- you have to ask yourself, yeah. do you absolutely love running your practice or do you like maybe skiing more? Because both are costing you money. Owning your practice is costing you money. Skiing costs you money. Which one do you well, like that's, better? That's not and necessarily I, true. But well, I, no, I, it, I, is, it, it is. is. If you're running a business that's- You're just a free labor, so to speak, right? Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying that if you take, if you pay yourself, your production, you take your $1 million a year, you, you gross, and you're producing 600 grand, you're collecting 600 grand of that, and you take that, you pay yourself 30% of that. If at the end of the year, you practice loses that. money, it might not be a bad idea to sell or become a business owner, yeah. but don't live in this quasi bullshit world of where you actually say, no, I'm not a business owner. I run a practice. Or, you know, like we said, I think we were saying just a moment ago, your employees have hitched their wagons to you. Yeah. Your team is depending on you to run a good business. And it's important that you actually, maybe you don't want to do it for yourself because maybe making 200 grand a year is perfect for you. And maybe, and congrats if it is perfect for you, but other people are depending and investing their future in your hands. And I think if you've chosen to be a business owner, be a good one or don't be one. I agree. All right, Paul, where I was going, I will be my, my question. Yeah. Keep, now I brought up the Facebook group four times now. Um, so I am a big, I'm a big crypto nut, okay? Oh, cool. People listen to this, right? So I'm into, and there's something in, in Bitcoin, it's called the fear and greed index, where it's just simply a sentiment of yeah. the entire space, right? Is there more fear going on? Or is there more greed? And it kind of predicts as to when you can buy. I'm going to draw the analog. You get to see the sentiment of a lot of dentists right now, right? Because your group. What the would you say? Coal huh? He's the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Plus he has the job postings too, so you can yeah. see how they're moving. Right. So what would you say is, and I'm going to say, what is the sentiment? I know you could ask which, what sentiment? I mean, in which direction? But like, what do you think about in in our space right now? Are you? Are, I think it's it's a great question. I've often called myself a Game of Thrones fan, the Jon Snow of dentistry. You know, I went beyond the wall, and I'm like, there's some White Walkers. Everyone, like, we don't believe you, Paul. I'm like, turn him over here, and then Jon Snow, poor guy, whole whole freaking seasons. He's like, they're coming, and you know, I won't ruin the whole show for people, but I like that. Mm-hmm. I think responsible concern about the three Ds that are destroying uh, 
Dentist Live, not dentistry. Dentistry is great. You can scan the scanner. You can place implants. You can do so many things. It's a dentistry. Awesome. The lives of dentists are under attack by DSOs, dental insurance, and dental school debt. And they come with different uh, <laughs> parts to them. DSOs that I work with on a daily basis present opportunities for some dentists that create, remove opportunities for other dentists. I mean, Wait, these are our white walkers. Is that what you're saying? I mean, they're, they're, they're DSOs themselves. The DSOs, the dental insurance and the dental debt is the white walkers. Yeah. I love this. I hope you yeah. say yes to this. Yeah, yeah. They're the white walkers. Now, uh, if you mean, we take a deep dive into the show or the white walkers all terrible, right? Not necessarily. They're trying to do their own thing and survive too. But the consolidation of dentistry with DSOs, and I'd like speak at DEO, work with DSOs, and invite them to my events, uh, remove opportunities for practice ownership from the future. We should just be aware of this, right? It's just mm -hmm. a thing. I walk around Philadelphia. There's only like two independent pharmacies. There's many CVSs and Walgreens, right? It's just, I know it's an easy analogy. Dental insurance, I think, is the biggest problem because this is like, this happened to me and I was just fearful. In 2017, Spoilwalk PPL, I won't name them, they sent me a letter saying, hey, Paul, we're going to pay you 16% less next year. Immediately, that was going to be a $100,000 loss for me and my brother if we did the same work. And we said, okay, right? Because we were afraid to drop all these patients. It took us five, five years to remove ourselves from this plan. So dental insurance paying dentists less for work that costs more, it's really a big problem. I think it's the biggest problem facing dentistry is that reducing fees and even if you're out of network like I am now or feed for service, this still this still affects you because dental insurance still creates energy around fees, right? Energy around fees. And then the dental school debt, I believe debt is more emotional than financial because they're charging dental students six or seven hundred thousand dollars to get a general dentist degree. Remember, this is a general dentist degree. People go, but Perio's great. I go, I'm not talking about Perio. It is great. That's three more years. You're charging them to get a degree that kind of makes the same money as it did decades ago, right out of school. Right. Of course, you can own a practice, but just if you just put it on its face, the guaranteed income has not changed much. So the increased debt without the the same rise in some income, I think, is causing a lot of emotional problems. I know there's repay. I know there's iPay. I know you can pay 10% of your income. I have sponsors that do this. But if I woke every, up every day as a 30-year-old with a loan balance of $600,000 that I saw get higher after I paid it, it would... I mean, we're talking about type A personalities. You think I'm these dentists want to wait for the tax bomb to be forgiven later if it even happens or not? You think they're going to feel good about not paying back their debt? So those are the three. I think there's... Well, a lot I'm I want to throw out a conspiracy theory. Do you like conspiracy yeah. theories? I do. I like them. I'm a dentist. Every dentist. What if, what if hypothetically dental school education has gone up astronomically by groups that would be incented by limiting <laughs> dental students' options for private practice outside yeah. of oh, dental school? That's, that's crazy. That's like, next thing you say, it's like DSO sponsor events at dental school. Are you crazy? Or start their own dental school. I just, I wanted my DM yeah. from this morning get to where, you know, there's a DSO in North Carolina starting their own dental school. You don't need to. Uh, you guys are crazy. You know, this is going to be or bad. Don. This is tin hat, tin, tin hat, tin hat conspiracy yeah, yeah, yeah. theory. It's going to be our lowest rating. Yeah. I get a oil. <laughs> but by the way, uh, what you said, Paul, I love. You said dentistry, great dentists, like the, the dentist thing, not so great. There's a macroeconomic phenomenon too. The amount of dollars being spent in our profession going through the roof. Average salary of dentist flatlining. So yeah. where's the delta? Where's all the money going? 
So more money being spent in dentistry. The second White Walker. It's too easy. Um, it's, it's, it's too easy of a joke. Where's the Delta? Where's it going? It's going to Delta. They're going. Oh, it's Delta. Delta. I, I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, like that. I mean, where, I also want to share this. I Mark Costas. I talked about this. I mean, I'm a big fan of that Truman Show movie where he's like, when he's just holding the folders. Like, who are you talking to? Right? I don't know if you know the Truman Show well, but great conspiracy. Like, there was a dental school that is now branding their clinic with this giant DSO. And they go, they need money. And Mark and I were like, they take $600,000 a year from these students. If you had a business that brought in all these millions and you still needed more money, maybe you shouldn't be in business. Yes. Like, why do they always say, oh, dental schools need more money when they're collecting hundreds of millions of dollars in tuitions? Like, what is happening? So I, I agree with you. I'm in the conspiracy theory. And I think at least talking about this and having all generations of why is, you know, we talk about the four decisions. Why does the cell dentist care? Why does the 58, because someone's going to buy your practice. And maybe you don't want to stay for three years. And maybe you don't want to sell to a DSO. Do you want to, I mean, I don't think a lot of new dentists are very confident in the practice purchasing journey sometimes. And I totally get the why. They could have a spouse that makes 200 grand a year as a doctor or working for a company. They could be an associate making 200 grand a year and saying, why do I want to take on these headaches? So I think that's why it's a total team effort from back to basketball for all of us to be aware of this. Love it. So I guess as dental schools, do, uh, as the, the cost of dental education continues to rise because it's done that over the last 20 years, wh where's the inflection point where people start saying like, mm, not worth it. I mean, what, what number is that in your opinion? I mean, because like, I think it's debilitating levels of debt, right? Is that what you're saying? Like, okay, it's worth it at this. I mean, the market dictates everything. So like, okay, average compensation not going up, you know, access to capital and building, mm. you know, it's just, what, where does it, where does this go? What happens in your opinion? Does this, I, does I, this I like it. I think that I've had really, anyone who I'll ever talk to for, for free, I talked to a lot of people for free, but no questions asked. If someone goes, hey, Paul, I'm thinking of going to dental school. Uh, can I talk to you about it? I say, sure, here's my cell phone. Let's talk. I walk a lot in Philadelphia, walk my dog. And I've helped dental students be positive and go to dental school. And I've helped many say this isn't the career for them. I think one thing I want to share is it's very negative to say, well, there's no other good jobs out there. I mean, these are bright, motivated people that can do so many different things. Dentistry is one of them. So if it's the right fit for you to be on it, great. But maybe there's a different fit for you and you're just like a 23-year-old trying to figure this out, you know, a 25-year-old. So I think a million dollars in debt just starts to sound made up, right? And I don't think we're too far away from it, from the California and the New York schools. Um, and I think that pre-dental students, I mean, you do realize, like, if you get a car loan, people make fun of used car salesmen. I find them to be very ethical, right? you got to sign loans. They tell you about the financing. Dental schools, like, here, it's not... I love the truth Fine. and lending disclosure. Imagine like yeah. dental schools doing, having to do a truth and lending disclosure. Your costs are going to be this. Over 10 years, it'll be this. Your average salary is going to be this. And you look at that document, like, you know how when you buy a, a car, now they say the average cost in gas, what it yeah. will be per year. Imagine that with dentistry. And why would this be great? Because you get the people who really want to do it to do it. Mm -hmm. If I hear this one more time, I will lose it. They go, if you really love dentistry, you should be a dentist. They go, where's the opportunity to practice dentistry illegally to determine if you love it? It's all a leap of faith. Yes, observing an office is, right? Cool, observing. I, I grew up in a dental office and I had no idea what it was like until I became a dentist. Yes, I assisted my dad many times. Yes, I observed many times. Yes, I went to the oral surgeon, his friend to watch. You do not know what it feels like till you do it. It doesn't mean that 
you shouldn't become a dentist, but to say, oh, if you really love this job, right? How the hell you know? to test it yeah, out, right? Yeah, yeah. Can't even just drive the car. Yeah. Um, Paul, tell us. Time you get through the whole thing, you've put so much time and effort into it. You can't back out now. Yeah. yeah so by the time exactly. you get, which well, I was, think you alluded to earlier, Paul, the, the massive, you know, uh, there's a lot of depression, a lot of job. You're feeling stuck. Feeling stuck and alone is the worst feeling. Dental, yeah. dental nachos really exist. I always say ABC to FLA. Always be connecting to feel less alone. And I, I really, I think feeling alone. alone. That's awesome. Feeling alone is one of the worst feelings. And if you can make people feel less alone, feeling stuck is one of the worst feelings. And I think you're 100% right. There are many <clears throat> dentists that said, hey, I didn't know I was signing up for this. Where do I get help? What do I do? Whether it's to stay in the profession, whether it's to do something different. But I, I And there's I so much shame, unfortunately, for the ones who have to say that or eventually say it or you break them down to you say it and then it's kind of liberating like the truth sets you free but it's like this weird shame in saying like hey i don't really love it as much as i thought i was gonna love it because you feel like this judgment like that's what you were bred and who geared you, to who you me for your podcast is laura brenner from dental side gig she's amazing she's doing so much great work in this space she calls herself recovering dentist after 10 years and she mm -hmm. talks about the shame and i think we should just have we should have room for all different competing narratives there's people who freaking love basketball people don't like it they're both right right gary b talks right. about that and i think we can just be secure. My dad was a very secure guy. And he's like, this profession, I don't wake up every day saying like doing root canals, this is my life's work, but I like being my own boss. I like helping people. And that's mm -hmm. why I kind of just developed this, what I feel is um, a reasonably healthy attitude towards the profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the great thing about dentistry too, and I, I grew up with a father that like loved and he's 82 years old, knock on wood, he's still here oh, that's cool. doing his thing. Uh, the great thing about it is you can pivot your your practice. You can pivot what you do. There's so many um, branches to dentistry, forensic dentistry, and different types of public health. You don't have to make a macro change. It could just be a micro change. And I think as human beings, we get so frustrated in something that, and we tolerate it for so long that by the time we want to make a change, we make a, a change that's 20 miles away. Where right. You could just slowly pivot and slowly start to get some different perspectives. I always say, Paul, though, it's the most beautiful profession in the world because you can, yes, you may hate the business, you may hate clinical dinner, you may hate root canals, or you may hate this, but guess what? Design your life, design your business so that you don't have to do that anymore, yeah, right? Right. It, it, so it says you don't have to be, have to be a victim of your circumstances. Dentistry, there's no rules, so to speak, about what you can come in. It's a beautiful profession. I think probably the best. I want to um, say it's very, very few professions like this. You can do part-time and be financially successful and personally mm -hmm. successful. And that's a huge benefit. And, and hey, guess what? And you, you're probably going to change a lot of lives along yeah. the way, you know, with right. your patient. Which that is, is a hugely much. positive part. I have friends who make well into seven figures and they can never get off the treadmill. And yes, people think they're lucky, but they just, it's all or none. There's no mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to do a hedge fund two days a week. Right? So <laughs> I, I, I do, I do want to share that's a really good part. Tell me, um, tell me as we're kind of kind of wrapping. I know we've kept you a little longer, but this has been awesome. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. You have an event coming up in April twenty second. I don't have the title, but you sure. sent me the flyer, and you're like, "Man, you and Craig should come." And I was like, "You guys oh, got, you guys got go. VIP guac tickets. We can I, guac the entire time. Someone follows you around with guac. That's the VIP guac part." My my wife's off. birthday is the twenty first, so if oh. you give her a call and say this well, is a idol on her. Just that uh, Philadelphia is some of the best restaurants on the globe, so you know it's a good place to go and hang out. Okay. I'm down. I, Let's take Emily. We'll take her together. So have that's uh, great. Two, two, I appreciate you letting me share. Um, and so have the ability for people to watch this on our on demand platform afterwards. But Dr. Lincoln Harris, someone I look up to, I think was a mentor as a friend. He has an eighty thousand member Facebook group called Bright Global. He came to visit me a few years ago. 
we really just got each other. He and I are putting on this event together. Uh, one day's full business, the four decisions. What's the deal with selling DSOs? I got a D, I got a VP of a DSO with 168 locations. I got the Eagles team dentist. I got a, my friend from Missouri who has five practices. I said, why don't we all just get in the same room and talk about DSOs and private practices at the same time? One is an evil like Skeletor. One is an He-Man. They're just what they are. So that's Friday. Saturday Link does a tremendous job with accelerating the hassle of Grayskull. I would like to do that. I would like. I, I should get that up there. Now you've given me a good idea for <laughs> for the uh, the theme. Saturday we're gonna do all clinical efficiency. Why treatment planning, advanced treatment planning boot camp? Uh, how to think through procedures in a more efficient way? Class twos, composites. These clinical directors of DSOs, or just someone who has a few associates like me, or you have many associates, Peter. You have some. Uh, right. What can we do to help our associates become more efficient? And then Sunday, I'm doing an interactive job fair. I'm going to have a mimosa and stroll. I'm going to get everybody in and be like, hey, weirdos, go out there and try to be less weird. You went to dental school, you're professional weirdos. Go mm -hmm. talk to these people, ask these questions. We'll give you a mimosa, a Danish, then come back in the room. So we're going to have a fun interactive job fair. How does someone like register, find out more? Yeah. Like you have a landing page? Des Dentalnachos.com has uh, kind of tried to design a uh, sports like an ESPN site. So our event section is there, but people also can just text link L-I-N-C to 215-543-6454. Dentalnachos.com is the uh, best place to go to for that. Also real quick, and, and I'm keeping you, but That's like okay. this comes up a ton, a ton all the time in our mastermind about, um, you know, job boards, right? Like in the, and the fact that like we're having to use like these indeed and these things that just aren't working and they're not consolidated, they're not concentrated enough and they're a frustrating process. You, you started Dennis Job Connect. I know pretty recently. Tell uh, what what was kind of the thesis, real quick. I, mean, I wanted to make it like a care.com for dentistry. I'm a debt parent who needs babysitters. I I didn't want to have these giant fifteen thousand dollar recruiting fees. No no disrespect to that. I've done that. There's a lot of free platforms, but sometimes they're not curated well. So we have twenty seven hundred job seekers on the platform now. Uh, you pay for an ad for ninety days or one hundred eighty days. It's a flat fee opportunity for success. You get somebody. There's no additional fees. Uh, you don't get someone. There's no refund. It really has been super fun and successful to build. I want to solve, be part of the solution to solving bonding dentists together for jobs. So people, you can be a DSO that use it. You could hire your first associate. You'd be a group practice. I do try to say to people like us who have practiced, like you want a bench to some degree for your associates. Cause if you have a practice that runs on an associate, you don't have them, the whole thing falls apart. So it's just my way of hopefully creating a great opportunity for anyone who's looking for an associate or finding a job to find once you did a shop connect. Love it. Love it. Well, Paul, I'm really excited that we got the chance to hang here because um, I love your mission and dentistry is fragmented and um, anybody who's trying to bring it together and bring us together through our common frailties and our challenges is a noble endeavor. I'm really just like that you are here. Love this. Love this talk. Hope to see you guys in person this year. You guys are great. Keep doing what you're doing. Please share my group and look forward to continuing to connect. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. See you soon. Thanks, Jason.